appreciate that song. Let's turn our Bibles again to John chapter 21. Good to see you today, church. And I um, was uh, praying this morning for a couple of our, our men preaching out, obviously, uh, Jim Heavily over there in Gympie. And uh, thanks for praying, church. That's going well. I believe that um, they've had a few guests return um, regularly over the last month that we've had the church going. So good start there. And then uh, just pray for Brother Paul Haycock, he's preaching away, and um, just pray for them as they minister in the Word today. And I'll tell you what, I know for sure something that Paul will mention today. It'll be Parramatta, all right, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be a whole week of that, and then just just wait for it if Parramatta win next week. He will, it'll be a whole year, all right, so, um, so I don't know if that'll motivate you to pray against them, I'm not sure about that, but... Um, but good to, good to see you this morning, and it is a beautiful day, and I'm thankful for that. Um, aren't you glad for God? Aren't you glad for the Lord? Um, aren't you glad for all that, um, that he's, he's, He does do in our lives? And I uh, appreciate that, that song, just a great reminder. And um, it is wonderful to be a Christian, right? It is a wonderful thing. It's a joyous thing. And yet, in, in all of what we experience, we understand if we've been saved a little while, that even, even in the midst of all of that joy and wonder, there's still, some, there's still some challenges sometimes. And sometimes we approach the Christian life where we, there is a whole lot of expectation, you know, especially as perhaps you've, you've recently gotten saved and you start to see some great things happening. And then what you soon find out is there's still some tests and there's still some things that sort of puzzle us about the Christian life. And this reading that we have is really where Peter's at. Peter, if you know a little bit about him, he was the one that had often that was the first one to speak up. Peter, when you study him, really was amongst the disciples, the leader. He was the one that often when others didn't want to ask the question, he would ask the question. And Peter seemed to have that kind of personality that he was very much just the the, the guy that often had his foot in his mouth. And it just seemed to be that Peter was the one with the courage to do all of that. You understand that, that Peter was the one in the garden, even as the Lord Jesus was being taken away, that drew a sword and cut off Malchus's ear. You understand that Peter was the one that, whilst everyone else drew away from the Lord, you know that, that chapter in John chapter 6, where the world's saddest verse, where uh, there are many that walked away from Jesus, and yet Peter was the one that was bold enough to say, where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Peter was the one that so often was like that. And so you would say that Peter was full on. He was pretty committed to the Lord. He was, he was uh, the one that uh, we would say, if we were to measure from a human point of view, was the one that would stick with Jesus as far as, as, as anything goes, it would be Peter. And maybe you know some Christians that way. Maybe you know some people who you just know, they're just so committed to the Lord and they're so committed to the things of the Lord that you have no doubt that even if, uh, even if, if there were great trials that were to, to come to Christianity today, that they would go through. And yet, we would say that maybe there was some point in our lives where we were that way as well. And what, what happens is sometimes in life, it, those things that we expect to happen and hope to happen doesn't happen. And you know, I'll tell you that 
That even happens in churches. You know, you come along and you, the vision church, it seems to be, the, there's, a, there's a great love in the church. You're excited about what the vision of the church is and you start to see that there's different ministries that cater to your family and to your needs and uh, you love the fact that the Word of God is being opened and all of that is great. And it could just be one little thing or one big thing that happens and suddenly all of that collapses. And actually, that's what happened with Peter. Peter had a great deal of faith, of course, in the things that were happening in his life as he followed Jesus. And yet what happened, the, the, the Lord whom he was even willing to, to protect with all of his might, with his sword, we suddenly find that this Savior, this Lord, was on the cross and was in the grave and now was purporting to be risen again. And we see that all of this, you know, the, the disciples, the mindset, Jesus tried to teach them through and, and help them see that one day he was going to die and that was part of God's will and then he was going to be buried and rise again. He taught them that. But it wasn't that they, it wasn't, it wasn't something they, they truly really understood. And what happened was during this whole period of time where from the cross right through to now his third appearance to them, Peter was on this a bit of a journey where he was scattered about. Peter was, was sort of observing his fellow disciples. One of them even doubted, Thomas. Jesus had to show him the nail prints. Jesus had to, to come and, and, and help, them, help him see physically that this was indeed him. And he's looking at all these ones that he did miracles with ones that he probably thought were just as committed, and then to top it all off, it was one of them. It was Judas amongst them that, that betrayed the very Lord that they had given up three years of their lives to follow. So imagine the confusion, and imagine the, 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 the sudden shaking of Peter's commitment to, to Jesus and the way. And that's where Peter's at. And so earlier on in, um, in, in Jesus' instruction to them, he did tell them to meet them where they're at now in the Sea of Galilee. And so they're there and, and biding their time perhaps, just waiting. And, and what we find is in, in that process, Peter was just sort of just trying to figure out what he's meant to do. And, and maybe that's, that's somehow sometimes what happens with us. You know, we're going along well and seems to be that Everything's going well, and then suddenly something happens that's unexpected. Something comes along that sort of shakes our commitment to the Lord. And, and that's, that's human. There's times where we're left a little bit confused and disappointed about the happenings of life, and suddenly that commitment that was so sure, so strong, so stable, gets shaken to its core, and suddenly we're wondering, what is God doing? What is it that he's meant? And, and you know, in all of that, what we find is that we can either look at the obstacle and we can look at the challenges and give up. Or we can listen in because, you know, the, the good thing about our God is even in that he seeks us. Even in that he, he, he looks, uh, looks for us to, to bring us back to him. And this is what we find in this story that we read here. Jesus comes back and the Bible's careful to tell us it was the third time now that Jesus showed himself. And right here, he finds Peter where he, he's at. He finds Peter in a place that was familiar to Peter. 
He finds Peter at a place where perhaps he was just trying to figure out what he was supposed to do. His Lord is now not around really. In fact, the next step was he was actually going to leave them and go up to heaven and leave them to their own devices here on earth. And so now Peter's trying to figure it out. And here what we find is Jesus comes again. Jesus now comes and he is seeking him out and he's seeking him to, to restore him back. And he finds Peter in a familiar place fishing. And if you know, again, a little bit about Peter, he was a fisherman, quite a successful one. In fact, as we read there in verse 11, uh, the Bible's very accurate and he says there's 153 fishes. And it's interesting that the Bible then says, and the net didn't break. You know what that tells us about Peter? Peter was a very good fisherman. He knew exactly the he knew what, what that net could take. He was a very experienced fisherman. This was not something that he needed to learn. This was something he was very comfortable with knowing and doing. And I've, I've said it before, I'm not a great fisherman, but um, I, obviously I'd like to catch fish. I don't think anyone goes out fishing to not catch anything. Anyone agree? Right? That's often a disappointing day. And so to catch 153 fishes... I'm pretty sure Peter was, you know, was feeling fairly happy about that. He was in a place of comfort. He was in a place that he was familiar with. But this was a place that was former. This was a place that, that actually God called him out of into another thing. God called him not to be a fisherman, but a fisher of men, right? And so Peter had something ahead of him. And Peter yet was in this place where he was sort of in the middle, sort of in a transition, Sort of in a way where some things have troubled him and now he's trying to decide, is he going to be committed to this or not? And maybe some of you here this morning are in that situation. You're looking maybe at your former life and you're sort of saying, what, what happened in my following of Jesus is I've come along and some things have disappointed me. Some things that I, I, I was, wasn't expecting has happened and, and things that are even maybe in the church and even in my experience have been unsavory. And here I am, I'm just trying to figure out, is this something for me or not? And yet what we find in that situation is God doesn't leave us alone. God continues to draw us if, he's, if we're one of his. And God continued to draw Peter here and in fact comes up again and now gives Peter some reasons to choose him again. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is some reasons to choose Jesus again. And, and in that is Peter's comeback. In that choice to, to, to choose Jesus again was Peter's now progress into what, what, the, what God had for him. And, and I want to tell you, and I want to remind you this morning, that if you're in that situation, that, that Jesus hasn't given up on you, and so you ought not to give up on Jesus. And it, it ought to be something that, that, that you, you, hopefully today, you'd just be reminded of some things, uh, some reasons, and some of the, some of the, 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 the reasons that, je, that the Lord Jesus might give us today to just choose him again. And, and, and can I just say, even if you're not in that position, it's a daily choice anyway to choose Jesus. It's a daily choice to follow him and to pick up our commitment for him. And what we find here is Peter's comeback in that. His commitment to Jesus was shattered in pieces and he finds himself doing this familiar thing that was really a representation of his former life, fishing. And we can find ourselves in times when our commitment to Christ isn't where it needs to be. And again, perhaps you're in that situation today. Perhaps there have been disappointments and hurdles that leave you in a place of middling commitment. 
Maybe you're in a place where you're dabbling with your former life and you feel so far away from the, the commitments made to and for Christ, both current and past, and you're wondering, well, what am I supposed to do? I want to encourage you this morning to remember, to remember some things that Jesus will remind us about because he seeks you out to fulfill his, his, his plan in your life and your commitment to him. God is a way of reminding us to choose him once again. And we find in other places, Moses encountered a burning bush. Jacob wrestled with God. David was sent. Nathan, Elijah heard a still small voice. And perhaps today, scripture and Peter's, Peter's interaction with Jesus will remind us of our commitment again. And we would just commit ourselves. And so we'll examine Peter here and, 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 and Jesus' dialogue. And hopefully it'll be a reminder to us today of, of, of reasons why we can come back. Reasons why we can choose Jesus again. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless and we'll get into it. Father, we come before you and we want to thank you, dear Lord, because you are a good God. I'm thankful, dear Lord, that in times where we wander off and in times where we're unstable about what we're supposed to be and, and what we're supposed to do, that, Father, you come and you continually seek us and you give us opportunities to be reminded again about why it was that we were committed in the first place. I pray that you'd help us this morning as we open your word to observe this interaction with Peter and yourself, dear Lord, and ask that you would please just, just help us to then apply it in our lives and help us, dear God, to then to just hear your, your voice this morning. I ask that you'd please help us, Lord, and ask these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And notice verse 15 here as we come. Jesus, in verse 12, says unto them, come and dine, and the Bible says there that none of the disciples durst ask him, "Who art thou?" Knowing that it was of the Lord, it was the Lord. They somewhat they understood that this was Jesus that was sitting there waiting for them to come in with the fishes. And and isn't it interesting there that that immediately Jesus wanted to fellowship with them? He says, "Come and dine." That's a matter of sitting and and sitting together. You know, when someone invites you for a meal. It's not that you sit there silently, it's, it's for fellowship, it's for interaction. And so they knew that they were about to have a conversation with Jesus. He, he comes and he breaks bread and he gives them and, and the fish likewise. And, and this is now the third time the Bible says that Jesus showed himself to the disciples, that he was risen from the dead. And so all of those things that, that he had actually taught them, all of those things that they had struggled to understand was, was happening before their eyes. And that is, that is exactly how it is. You know, there's some things in the Bible that you read it and you go, how is that possible? How is that going to happen? And yet, if you just stick along with, with, with God, you start to see things happen that he had said. And sometimes understanding only comes in time. And so here they're seeing all of that. And here's the, the conversation that Jesus brings up. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, and notice the first thing he says, he asks, lovest thou me more than these? And he's reminding them that, reminding Peter in particular here in that question, that, that this was a commitment based on a love. Love. And we hear a lot about love in, today in, in, in very, very, uh, very sinister ways. But I want you to note that firstly, the, the thing that, that Jesus reminds us of when we're Trying to, trying to get and trying to get back stability and trying to come back from maybe some, some, sort, of, uh, some sort of transition, some sort of process there where we're trying to figure out what we're, we're to do with our commitment. He falsely reminds us about the choice of love. 
that, that actually the reason why Peter was there in the first place and, and trying to figure it out, well, Jesus had to remind Peter that his commitment to him had to be motivated by love. You know, when you go through and there's, there's, a, there's a commitment between two people to get married, usually the motivation is love. Usually because they look at each other and they recognize that they have a love one for another. And the, the commitment is based on that love. And, and so Jesus here is reminding Peter that there was a commitment of love there. Real love is tested in even the most adverse of circumstances. You know, you go through and, and you know very quickly that when you get married that sometimes that love gets tested. Why? Because, right, true love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. <laughs> you start to see imperfection. You know, you start to see that there's annoying traits that the other has that you never knew before. There's certain things that start to irritate you about the way they eat their food, the way they don't make their bed, the way they leave their clothes on the floor. And I feel like the men are getting preached to right now, maybe. But, and the ladies are like, come on, preacher, keep it going. But every true love is tested. There's going to be situations that really test the character of your love. And, and here, the, the reality was, Jesus was reminding Peter that your, your love is being tested. Lovest thou me? In Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And, and this was a heart-level commitment that Peter had previously made. And what Jesus was trying to help Peter remember was the proper motivation to come back to commitment. That, that there was a love there that Peter had for the Lord. And, and someone said this, commitments are sustained through strong inward motives. And sometimes, you know, it's our inward motives those deep-seated things in our lives that, that, that only, only, uh, only we know. And, and that is the standard of motive that the Bible describes for us. Look at Mark chapter 12. Look at Mark chapter 12. Turn your Bibles there with me, please. And notice with me verses, verses 28 to 33 and... One of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is he, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbors as himself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly and said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. And, you know, often Jesus' interactions with the scribes and Pharisees was really to try to entrap him, try to see if he actually really knew the law. And 
Of course he did. He was the writer of it. And we see that Jesus answers correctly. And he's saying there that actually the greatest commandment. And in other places of scripture, he says, hang all of the other commandments on these things. Love God, love your neighbors. So the greatest thing, that the greatest motive for us as we go about and, and, and uh, there's a level of commitment made is really, a, is really that of love. And really, oftentimes, the thing that brings us back to God is a reminder of the fact that we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. You know, too many times we, in, 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 our, in, our, in our dealings with the Lord, in our dealings with our faith, sometimes our commitment is, is, is really down to the circumstances. You know, our commitment is a response really to proper motivation. Love is a proper motivation and commitment is the proper response. And sometimes our commitment is only based on circumstances that favor us. When things are going well, then we can say, well, we're, we're motivated to just hold on and continue. We're motivated to show love because, well, things are going, well, uh, going along swimmingly. And I read about uh, someone who uh, broke up with, um, with, uh, with, uh, his, uh, her, uh, with her, her partner, someone who she was engaged with. And one day she regretted breaking her engagement. And so... She writes a letter. She says, Dearest Tommy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> and you know, sometimes our commitment is only based on favorable circumstances. And, and, you know, I think sometimes that's how we treat the Lord. If things are going well, then our commitment level is high. If things make sense, then, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be there. I'll be part of that. I'll, 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 and yet, so often the thing that will bring us back is just a reminder that we love God. And let's be reminded that the proper motivation is to love God. Our commitment should be based on the fact that God is to be loved, but, but because of this, because God has already proven His love to us. And how did God prove His love to us? God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, listen, if there was nothing else that Jesus did for us but to love us enough to die on the cross of Calvary, can I just say He's proven enough? And we love Him because He first loved us. And if you think about the relationship that, that had developed between Jesus and Peter, Jesus had come and demonstrated His love toward Him. Jesus drew Peter's attention to what, what, what was the, that love and His response to Jesus' offer of love. You know, Jesus found Peter the fisherman and called him to be a fisher of men. Jesus had called him to be like him. Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. Jesus had connected him at times, corrected him at times when he opened his mouth and put his foot in it. Jesus had seen his potential and had spent all that time with him. Jesus did what he said he, could, he would and he died on the cross, raised himself from the dead. Jesus had called Peter a friend and now he was reminding him of all of that in that question asked three times, lovest thou me? That's what he was implying there. 
all of the historicity that he and Peter had, all of that that he had already proven. And you know, many times we would do well to just remind ourselves of we get through the, the hardships of life and those things that throw us for a bit of a loop. And one, it's a good reminder that life isn't perfect here on earth. But despite all of that, it ought to be a good reminder that you know, of all the things that God has already done to prove his love. And, you know, you think about that, and I think about that in my own life. I think about the fact that because I'm saved, I get to be part of a greater family, and all of the course of my life, I've had, I've had the joy of fellowship that way. There's been times where the, the, the times where I've been the most down, it was a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ who spoke words to me that enabled me to just keep going. And I remember the times where it was just the Spirit of God Himself who just ministered to my heart in my darkest, most disappointed moments and discouragement and, and, and desperation and distress. And I look at all of that and it's all because God loves me. Don't undervalue that. Don't undervalue the fact that he was willing to lay down his life for you and I. You know, too many times we were so set apart from the time of our salvation, we, we sometimes sadly undervalue just the truth of God's love in our lives. And, and, and we wonder why at times, because we're forgetful, sometimes we wonder why our commitment isn't quite there, how we allow other circumstances to just erode that in our lives. In 1 John 4, 9, And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And you see, our love for God can only be, be possible as a response to the love that He first showed us. And so He's saying to Peter, Lovest thou me more than these? And He repeats it three times. He's asking him over and over again. And not that Jesus didn't know. God, the Lord Jesus knew his heart. But it was for Peter to help him remember himself. And so we see that firstly, it's a choice of love. It's, a, it's, a, it's one that's motivated by love. And then the next thing is this. He says, lovest thou me more than these? It was, it was a question of comparison. The second thing is this, a choice of one over the other. You either choose to stay where you're at and stay where, where, where you, you see yourself or you choose to just, again, go to follow Christ. Go to that place of commitment. It's a choice of one over the other. Lovest thou me more than these? I believe that in the context here, it just shows us that what he was asking was, was do you love me more than these? He was pointing to the fish. He was pointing to the situation that he found himself in sitting around. And again, if I can say that was a familiar place. That was a place where, that Peter was comfortable in. He grew up probably in a, in a fishing family. They, that was their livelihood. It wasn't just a leisurely thing. It wasn't just a hobby that they had. They just didn't like to go fishing on Saturday. They didn't just like going fishing whenever they felt like it. No, this was their livelihood. Peter was comfortable in this. Peter understood fish. He understood that life. He could navigate through the, dif the different things because he was skilled in it. And this was a place of comfort. This was a place that, that actually was, though, the former. And this was a choice of one over the other. He was saying, the Lord Jesus was saying to Peter, choose me over this. And, and again, if I, it, we won't take the time, but if you turn back to Mark chapter 1, we know that Jesus found 
Peter fishing before he and then the others made the commitment to follow Christ, to forsake what he was doing. We understand that that was his former life. Peter had on previous occasions, the point I'm making is this, he had on previous occasions chosen Jesus over the other thing. But you know what? This was a choice to make again. And it, it, it's got to be a, a, an exclusive choice. And commitment is a choice of, of exclusivity. Right? We understand that in marriage, you're exclusive, forsaking all others. Why? Because you're making a commitment. It's a choice over one, over the other. And, and that's what it is. That's what he brings us down to in Luke 14, 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. In Exodus 34, 14, for thou shalt worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. He's saying it's either me or the other. And commitment is a choice of one over the other. He illustrates that in, in Luke chapter 16. He talks about serving God and you can't serve God and mammon. And he says that no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else love the one or hate the other. He's saying it's a, it's a choice there of one over the other. And he's pointing to, at this thing that was actually Peter's comfort zone. It was actually Peter's former life. It was actually what Peter used to do. And he found perhaps some solace in it. And, and, and no doubt as he was wandering through, he wanted what seemed to be familiar and stable. But that's not what Peter needed. That's not what, all that Peter, uh, uh, Peter was to do. And Jesus was reminding him it was a choice of one over the other. And as a person, you maybe have several different roles that you're committed to. Some of you, you're a, you're, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're a parent, a mother, a father. Maybe you've got other commitments and other realms of life. You, you've got all of those things, but ultimately the overarching commitment that you need to make is to choose Jesus and to choose Him to be the one that you will serve. And too many times we muddle up the, those things that provide us some sort of modicum of satisfaction. We choose those perhaps resources that seem to give us a, a good life and we forget that all of that is because of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And being a Christian should be your overarching commitment. But you know, it was, a, it was to be a constant choice. And again, it's interesting to me that the Lord Jesus asked him three times. If you remember what Peter did, it was a denial thrice. It was something that, that was a significant thing. And Jesus asked Peter three times for emphasis. And what we're saying here is that oftentimes for us, we've just got to choose constantly. I don't know about you, but I know about me. There's times where I'd rather do something else. There's times in my heart where I just know that the commitment there is waning and there's times where I just don't want to be in the Word. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do the thing that God wants me to do. I don't want to be as committed as I used to be. And I'm so tired of that and I'm so, I'm so disappointed in this and there's discouragements along the way and there's some things that I just didn't expect and I've got to remind myself, no, it's actually got to be a choice today, today. You know, many times families go around in a journey that way and, and again, things are going well and suddenly some things just start to slip away and suddenly they're starting to choose other things. And we better be careful 
We know these verses in Joshua 24, 15, and, and no doubt probably a lot of us have it displayed in our home. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, it would do us good to just look at that and choose every day to serve the Lord. And committing to God is a daily choice. It's a moment-by-moment choice. It's a decision-by-decision choice. And, you know, life is full of choices we make, and the ultimate choice every day is to choose to follow God. You've got to choose God above the world each day. You've got to choose God above all the other comfortable, more, more, more attractive things in our lives today, and you've got to choose to just follow God and honor Him. And sometimes the thing that will bring us back is just to choose one over the other. You know, we might observe how that, that is. What is that to benefit us? And we could argue sometimes, and sometimes the things that hinder our choices is our own reasoning. I told someone this week, the heart has reason that reason knows nothing about sometimes. And sometimes our, our hearts have been drawn away from the Lord, and we are, we're prone to wonder, Lord, we feel it, prone to leave the God we love. And there's times where our hearts are just toward those things that just seem to be so easy and so attractive and so much seemingly better. But we know ultimately that, that the only one that can satisfy is the Lord. The only one that can satisfy is the one ultimately who loves us best. And we've got to choose one over the other. But you know, at the end, it was a choice regarding His purpose. Because at the end of the day, what is his purpose? What was it that he was to be fulfilled? You know, God had called him not just to be a fisherman, but to be a fisher of men. And God, God had a greater purpose for Peter. You know, uh, we live in a world today that that is the, the ultimate question still. What is the meaning of life? What, what is the purpose? You know, you have, you have not, just, not just teenagers and young adults. You have, you have Full-grown adults today, still wandering the world, still traveling, still seeing, trying to see, trying to figure it out. And yet what we have in the Word of God is purpose. What we have in the Word of God is answers. What we have in the Word of God is just the ability to understand life. And, and he's saying to Peter, he's reminding him that there's a purpose. Because why? He says, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And I love it. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. It was important for Peter to say that. And then notice Jesus' response. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, that I, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. So he's saying there's, there's a greater thing. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And you imagine Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest. And, and there, there was a breaking point for Peter where it was his heart responding now, not just his mouth. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And you know those three times he said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. You know, it was a reminder to Peter. You're not to be a fisherman you're to feed my sheep. He, he was to, to, to follow God in the ministry that he had for him. 
and later on he'll say to Peter, follow me. Then he says, follow thou me. He's saying individually to Peter. And Jesus had given them a commission. He had given them a, a, a commission to reach the world. He said in John 20, 21, then said Jesus to them, peace be unto you as my father had sent me, even so send I you. And so specifically for Peter, Jesus' response the, of, of declaration of love for Peter and then Peter's response of, decla- of, of love back to the Lord, there was an implication. And the implication was this, I'm going to choose to follow your purpose for my life. And his purpose for Peter was to follow him in this ministry that God had. And, you know, Jesus was getting Peter's focus back onto his purpose and calling. And, you know, often the reason why God's trying to get us back is because he's trying to remind us we do have a purpose. We do. All of us here, God has a specific plan. God has a specific calling. He has a specific way. There's those things that only for us were to do. There are those things that are general that, that God calls all of us to do. But all of us here, we all have our own course. And the choice of commitment, the choice of choosing Jesus again is one of knowing our purpose. But not only that, it's choosing to fulfill it. And sometimes to get us to pick up our, our, our commitment again, God reminds us that he's called, what he's called us to do, to be and do. And commitment is a question of who you are and what you are meant to do. You know, Peter, upon responding to Jesus' question of love, was confronted with the reality of who he was and what he was meant to do. And often, when we need to grow in our commitment, we must rehash our purpose as Christians. What is our purpose? Often, even later on, Paul, in dealing with Timothy, who was shaken as well, he was going through some questioning He reminds him, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. There was a time in Timothy's life where he was in a place of discouragement. He was in a place where he was trying, maybe perhaps looking back like some of his other fellows. And here Paul was reminding him of his purpose, stir up the gift. He's reminding him perhaps of the day that he got ordained where they laid hands on him to commit him to the work of the ministry. And he's reminding him of that. And, you know, on, on my desk, if you get, to, get in there, you'll see on my desk the, the, just a reminder for me. It's just a simple piece of paper. It's a t- certificate that puts the date when I got ordained and I got, God called me to the ministry. And there was a laying on of hands, so to speak. And I often look at that when I just want to give up. I often look at that when I go, well, you know, this is really hard. I might just go back to doing what I used to do. You know, for me, there's not much of that. You know, it's been a while. It's been a, a, a bit of a, 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 a long time for me where in serving God in the thing that he's called me to do. And sometimes I wonder, is there anything else? And God reminds me there isn't because I have you. And I want to remind you, what is your purpose today? I want to ask you that. What is your purpose? You need to stir up your calling. You need to stir it up again. You need to choose to follow Christ and commit once again to His purpose for your life. And what commitment is, is an actioning of your purpose and a living out of your calling. And this was, this was why He said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He, he was saying, you know, if you love me, if you choose me, then you're going to do the thing that you're called to do. And this was a reminder for Peter to get up and go. 
You know, I spoke this on, about this on, on Wednesday night. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. And Peter's dilemma and doubts, they weren't an, they weren't, um, an excuse to just drop his commitment. This was a reminder to pursue his commitment to Christ once again. It entails that we do what we do because of what we are. If you're here this morning, if you're saved, then you have a purpose that's different to the world. You have a purpose that's different to what your former life, you know, I was saved at seven years old. I didn't have much of a former life. But I often think about what my life would have been without Christ. You know what, that, when I think about that, it scares me. I think about that and, and you know what, immediately my mind doesn't come what I missed out on in the, in, the, in the positive, it's what I missed out on in the negative, the negatives of life. And I'm thankful to the Lord. I'm thankful that there's times that, you know, when, when my commitment wanes, He calls me back and He reminds me of my purpose. And I want to tell you, if you're saved here, you're a Christian. I want to remind you that you're called to be holy. I want to remind you that you're called to be salt and light. I want to remind you that you, you're called to be a servant and a witness. I want to remind you that you're called to be a steward and a faithful one at that. So be that. Why? Because today, the need of the hour is for those that maybe their commitment is waning and they need to just get back and make the kind of comeback that Peter did. And it was really down to this. He just chose Jesus again. And maybe it's been a while since you've just purposely said, Lord, I want you to use my life. Lord, I want to surrender to you, to the thing that you've called me to do. And Lord, I want to know. And I want to live that way. And maybe it would just be today. You know, today we're going to have three to come to, to baptism. And what baptism is, it's a step of obedience. It's, a, it's now, it's a, it's a proclamation to us as a church that they're, they're wanting to follow God and we get to be part of that journey. And so I hope that we would encourage one another in that. I hope that today that, that maybe if you allow the Spirit of God to, to examine your heart and your commitment, there was a time where it was better. You've allowed some, maybe some things of life to sort of, shake that a little bit, then maybe today you just come back to say, Lord, I just want to choose you again. Lord, I just want to choose to follow you. Lord, I love you. And, you know, sometimes it's just good for us to just say that. Lord, I love you. Thanks for loving me. Lord, I choose you over other things. Lord, I could have, could have done this. I could have done that. I could have. Lord, I choose your purpose for my life. I don't want to walk the way the world walks. I want to walk your way. And I just choose you today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you. And Lord, just thankful again, just for the fact that you, you just don't give up on us. That Father, even though those, those times where our, our faith can even be shaken and our commitment can be unstable and can, can wane and can become middling. And Lord, even times where our commitment just, just goes out the window. Lord, you still go out of your way to seek us and then to remind us, Lord, of, of, of what it is that, that we're supposed to do. Lord, you remind us of your love. You remind us that there was a time that we loved you like we ought. You remind us that there was a time that there, we chose you over other things and there was a time, dear God, that we just were sold out to follow your purpose. And I pray that you'd help us, dear Lord, to just come to you again and to choose you again today. I pray, dear Lord, that as we've, Lord, just committed some time to opening your word, that, Lord, you'd, you'd allow your word to affect us today in a real way. 
heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The piano is going to begin to play. We're going to have a time of invitation.